Boom! Shake the room, Fire Nation. JLD here with an audio masterclass on how to punch above your weight in negotiation to sell your business. To drop these value bombs, I have brought John Warlow on the mic. He is the founder of the Value Builder System, a simple software for building the value of a company used by thousands of businesses worldwide. In Fire Nation, we'll be talking today all about selling your business and how business owners know when it's the right time to sell, the biggest mistake they made, how to gain leverage and not look desperate, and oh, so much more when we get back from thanking our sponsors. Grow your business with online courses by jumping into Thinkific's five-day course challenge today. Over five days, you'll hear from inspiring speakers, including myself, who will walk you through the whole process so you'll know exactly where you're headed. Sign up for this free challenge today at thinkific.com slash fire. That's T-H-I-N-K-I-F-I-C dot com slash fire. Don't you wish there was a proven roadmap to financial freedom and fulfillment that you could share with your customers, clients, or masterminds? My brand new book, The Common Path to Uncommon Success, is coming out in March 2021, and we've just finalized our bulk buy packages. These packages include insane perks, like a one-on-one weekend in Puerto Rico with myself and Kate. Visit UncommonSuccessBook.com for all the details. The best packages have very limited quantities, so head over there today uncommonsuccessbook.com. John, say what's up to Fire Nation and what is something that you believe about becoming successful that most people disagree with? What's up, JLD? Uh, You know, I get a lot of uh, pushback on the name Built to Sell, the book I wrote. And I think a lot of people think about building to last, which the, you know, the, the Jim Collins book, which is a fantastic book. I just think as entrepreneurs, we get way past our sell by date. And for a lot of people, they feel like there is this, you know, requirement that they build to last, that they build some sort of legacy for themselves, that they build a multi-generational business, that they pass it on to their kids. And for me, that's just anathema. That's not what I think makes a lot of sense. I think we get in, we add some value, and then we should move on and let someone else take a turn running a company. Well, as we talked about in the pre-interview, and as I was kind of teasing with you, Fire Nation, during the introduction... We're going to be talking about a lot of really cool stuff today that John's an expert on, like knowing the right time to sell, you know, knowing the biggest mistake that people make and owners make when it's time to sell, you know, what reeking of desperation will do if you're trying to sell and so much more. <laughs> but I want to start off by saying this. I mean, let's just call a spade a spade. You know, it's, it's 2021 and a lot of businesses were hit hard during COVID. So what specific selling trends do you predict going forward in our new world? Two things. Number one, more people are selling sooner. They are moving up their sell by date as a result of the pandemic. We've had, uh, you know, we 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 do this thing called Value Builder, where we have people come in and do an assessment. We've looked at the data now. Prior to the announcement of COVID, there were about four thousand people that completed the questionnaire prior to the eight months prior, and then the eight months during COVID. Two things really pop. The first, again, is that. People have moved up their sell by date by 20%. The other one that I think is kind of cool is that the appetite to pass their business down to their kids has dropped through the floor. And now we are seeing a much bigger influx of people who want 
to sell to a third party. And what's really interesting, I think, right now is that private equity is being absolutely uh, boosted by low interest rates. One of the things this pandemic has done is lower interest rates, right? We're at emergency level interest rates. Private equity groups who are the buyers of a lot of entrepreneurial businesses, they use debt in order to make their transactions, make their financing happen. And so that's just like accelerant onto this entire M&A marketplace. So I just think it's going to be a, a very, very interesting 2021. Now, what about SPACs? I'm hearing a lot about SPACs, you know, otherwise known as SPACs just kind of coming up. It's just like this big ball of money that everybody, you know, not everybody, but, you know, billionaires are just dumping money into and they're going around just scooping up businesses for this and businesses for that. Like, how is that having an impact? Again, there's a ton of money that is chasing a lot of small deals right now. Interest rates are one. You're also got a lot of people that are a little worried about the stock market, right? So we're seeing massive valuations for a lot of companies. Tesla's gone crazy. You know, there's a, a huge amount of wealth in the public markets that is getting nervous, right? And that's got to go somewhere. And so private businesses are a place that a lot of people go to pick up value. And again, you've got a lot of business owners who are distressed right now. And I mean, I don't, I'm not in any way suggesting that you, and this is a good time to be a vulture. I, our whole business is, is, is predicated on the idea that we help companies improve their value, not get taken advantage of. But I, I think we are, unless we can uh, make sure we kind of know the secrets of buyers and how they try to kind of pull the wool over our eyes, I think we are susceptible to that unless we can sort of have some, a bit of a, a guidebook on how to go about, you know, punching back when these acquirers try to prey on what is right now for a lot of people, a sort of a weakened business, in particular service-based companies. Let's talk specifically about selling your business and not yours, John, but I'm talking about you, Fire Nation, who are listening, like selling your business. How do business owners know when it's the right time to sell? I mean, the short answer, and I don't mean to be glib about this, but the short answer is when someone's buying, right? So when you get an offer you've got a unique position. You're now in the catbird seat, right? You, you've been offered an amount of money for your business. And at that point, you're not groveling, going hand, you know, hat in hand to a potential acquirer. You've been approached. And so that's an opportunity to take very seriously, I think. And there's a, there's a way that you can approach that that doesn't overplay your hand. I had um, I had a chance on my podcast to interview uh, a guy named Rand Fishkin. Have you had Rand on the show, John? Multiple times. I followed that guy's oh, journey. Man. He's actually one of my first guests back in the day. And man, that book that he released not too long ago was a fascinating Lost and look. Founder. Yeah, Lost and Founder. That was such a cool title too, yeah. Such a good book. Yeah, it, it's. I, I'd recommend anyone pick it up. Rand is a great guy. He told me the story of selling SEO Moz or more accurately, not selling SEO models. Mm -hmm. So we built it up to $5 million of ARR, annual recurring revenue, growing like stink, doubling every year, gets an offer from Brian Halligan, the guy who started HubSpot. And Rand in his mind was like, you know, we're growing like crazy. We're, you know, we're, we're thinking maybe we can get to 10 next year. I've heard that, you know, companies like a SaaS business like mine should sell at like four times top line revenue. So I think it's worth 40. And, and Halligan says, I'll give you 25 of cash and HubSpot stock for a $5 million business. So that's a pretty good outcome. And, and Rand says, yeah, hums and haws a little bit and says, no, takes venture capital money instead, goes and 
invest in a lot of different products. Unfortunately, it doesn't work out. The business starts to spiral, sucks up cash. The VCs come in and remove Rand. Yeah. He kind of spirals into a, you know, a sense of depression. And, and ultimately, the VCs use pref shares, preferred shares, to buy into Moz, which they are guaranteed a return mm. on before Rand will get anything. And as a result, I asked Rand, I said, like, what's, what do you think you know, your share in Moz is worth these days? He says, it's probably worth nothing. Mm. And I said, well, like, what's your net worth? <laughs> he said, I've got 800 grand, most of which I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to share or spend on my uh, grandparents for elder care. And I said, what would that offer of Halligan's be worth now, given the appreciation in HubSpot stock. And he said it would be worth close to $200 million. I mean, be still my heart. Oh. <laughs> so anyway, long story short, when a guy like Brian Halligan comes up to you and says, look, I want to buy your business, take him seriously. Take him seriously. <laughs> you're, in a, you're in a unique position to negotiate, yet you don't want to overplay your hand or, or, or kind of uh, ride it over the top, as they say yeah. in an M&A parlance. Yeah, and I remember when I actually interviewed Rand about Lost and Founder, which wasn't too long ago. So Fire Nation, go back and you know just search in the eofire.com uh, search bar, Rand Fishkin, even just R-A-N-D, Rand Work. And one thing that he said that really just kind of like broke my heart too was like everybody thought, like his friends, his family, everybody thought that he was a super rich guy. So they kept going to him like, oh my God, like, can you hit me up with this? Hit me up with that. He's just like, I, I, I literally am like the poorest person that I know by like a long shot. And it was like, you know, it's so brutal because he, you know, working so hard, built this from the ground up and doing all these things. And man, so you, you talked about a huge mistake that Rand made. I mean, passing on that 25 million that now would be, you know, worth over 200 million. You know, of course, a lot of, you know, would he have held onto the stock that long? Like maybe he would have had to actually, because there might've been like a, you know, like a holding period or whatever. So he might've been forced to, to ride that puppy all the way to 200 million, which would have been amazing. But what's the biggest, the number one biggest mistake, John, that you see owners make when it comes time to actually sell? This is such a great question. I mean, so many. I think one that comes to mind is answering the question, what's your number, right? Like a lot of buyers are going to want to pull that out of you. You know, it said that he who says his number first or she loses, right? And so a lot of buyers, acquirers will say, you know, they'll put their arm around you figuratively and say, JLD, like, what do you, you know, what do you, what do you yeah. want for your company? What, yeah. what do you think is fair? And it sounds so innocuous to answer, right? And you feel like being a transparent person. I have a number. You do? Yeah. Well, you said we should all have a number, right? So I have a number. <laughs> I don't think it's a realistic number, but it's a number and I have it and it's my number and yeah. it's it's what it would take. And, and this is maybe a wrong way to look at it, John, but this is what it would take for me to walk away from the autonomy that I have with Entrepreneurs on Fire, you know, from, you know, the multiple millions of dollars that this, this business produces, you know, in a very lifestyle freedom type of way. Um, so I do have a number. I don't think it's realistic. Um, I don't, well, I don't... Think. I just, I'm just like, I'm not saying it's realistic, but it's $50 million. Like, that's my number. Nice. Take or leave it, buddy. What do you say? <laughs> <laughs> I say, I think it's great. I think it's great. I, I don't, wouldn't counsel you to share that with too many people, especially if somebody comes up and say, okay, I want to buy your company. Oh, you, you would say 100 million? No, I'm just, I'm saying that. that <laughs> okay, I'm my new number is 100 million. <laughs> okay, good. Good. I'll give you an example. So, okay, there's a guy named, have you ever had Chris Jones on the show? Ah, no. Started Pepper Jam? No, no. I interviewed him for the book. He uh, he tells me the story of when he 
gets approached by Michael Rubin. Michael Rubin, of course, being the founder of GSI, sold it to PayPal. Chris Jones is the founder of this little company. They do affiliate marketing called Pepper Jam. So Michael Rubin calls him in, like, calls him up and says, hey, why don't you come down and meet with me? I'm kind of interested in what you're doing at Pepper Jam. Chris Jones says, this is awesome. I'm going to meet with this like you know luminary in the tech world. So Chris Jones walks in. Right? Michael Rubin kind of rocks up. And instead of being on his own, Rubin is flanked by his chief counsel and his CFO. And without even like exchanging pleasantries with Chris, <laughs> Rubin says to Chris, all right, what do you want for Pepper Jam? And Chris kind of was on his back foot. He's like, <laughs> like I was expecting kind of a, like a nice little conversation. And here you are asking my number. And Ruben repeated. He's like, what do you want for Pepper Jam? And Chris blurted out his number. And Ruben, without acknowledging Chris, looked at his chief counsel and the CFO and said, all right, I think we can get a deal done. <laughs> and what he was communicating to his lieutenants was, don't pay a penny more than the number Jones just uttered. And in fact, make it your job to get it for less. And that's the problem with answering that question. It's such an innocuous question. It sounds reasonable to answer, but by asking it, answering it, excuse me, you're putting a ceiling onto which you will never sell your business beyond and you don't know what they're willing to pay. So look, I just think it's one of those questions that often is a trap that we that we fall into and it's best to just let the other side come up with the value in their own mind. So your kind of advice and, and sage advice to me would be if somebody ever approached me and said, hey, like, what's your number? Like we're acquiring, for instance, you know, podcasting's on fire right now. I mean, Amazon just bought this, pro- this podcast production company, Wondery, who by the way is not making any money. They bought them for $300 million. Um, you know, Gimlet uh, was bought by Spotify a couple years ago for $233 million. Joe Rogan was, uh, you know, went exclusive with Spotify and they gave him nine figures. This is one podcast. They gave him nine figures plus. I mean, and they're like, oh, does that mean a hundred million? You know, and they're like, he's like, no, like it's more than that. So, I mean, like we're talking, you know, real deep money into that and it's insane. So like, what is kind of like your like advice for something like that? Like, is it just make them say the number first? Like they have to come to you with something before you even put a number out there? Yeah, you're just going to respond by saying, hey, I'm a reasonable guy. I built a great business that I'm super proud of and I'm super excited to continue running forever. But I'm a reasonable person and I'll look at any reasonable offer put in front of me. Mm. And that's it. And there's two documents that you can ask for. One is an IOI and the other is an LOI. An LOI is a much more formal document. You're not going to get that with an informal conversation. It's going to be after many months of negotiation, you're going to get a letter of intent, which is a two-page, three-page document that spells out in great detail what their proposal is for buying your business. It'll go into the, the number, the working capital, due diligence, et cetera, lots of detail. There's another document, though, IOI, indication of interest. It's mm-hmm. a less formal document. It's usually a couple pages, and it often will use a multiple range. Instead of a, an absolute number, they'll say, look, we're, yeah, we're thinking somewhere in the four to six times EBITDA range. So it'll be a range. And, and you can ask them for an IOI. You can say, look, I, you know, I'm a reasonable guy. I built a great business. You know, it's, like, it's awesome, but I'm reasonable. And so let me know what you have in mind. If you want to throw together, together an IOI, I'd be happy to review it. And that's a way for them to sort of put a stake in the ground and say, we're thinking 
two times top line or three times EBITDA or whatever they're thinking. And you can then react to that. A lot of lessons here at Fire Nation, a lot of interesting things on how to just you know take that first interaction, which can be a critical interaction, which we're going to talk about later. Uh, one of the last things we're going to talk about is like looking desperate. So you want to stay tuned for that. And so much more when we get back from thanking our sponsors. Fire Nation, you know I'm big on health and wellness, and I'm constantly looking for ways to improve the quality of nutrients and minerals I put in my body so I can operate at my optimal level. That's why I started drinking Athletic Greens years ago after learning how much greatness is packed into just one scoop a day, 75 vitamins, minerals, and whole food source ingredients, and that includes a multivitamin, multimineral, probiotic, green superfood blend, and more. Whether you're looking to fill the nutritional gaps in your diet, increase energy and focus, aid digestion, or help support a healthy immune system overall? Well, Athletic Greens is a no-brainer. With so many stressors in life, it's difficult to maintain effective nutritional habits and give our bodies the nutrients it needs to thrive. Busy schedules, poor sleep, exercise, the environment, stress, or simply not eating enough other right foods can leave us deficient in key nutrients, and this is where Athletic Greens can help. And right now, Athletic Greens is doubling down on supporting your immune system during the winter months. They're offering Fire Nation a free one-year supply of vitamin D and five free travel packs with your first purchase. Just visit athleticgreens.com slash fire and join health experts, athletes, and health conscious go-getters around the world who make a daily commitment to their health. That's athleticgreens.com slash fire. Thinkific is the best platform to create, market, and sell your own online courses, and we speak from personal experience. Since moving our online courses over to Thinkific in 2017, we've welcomed thousands of new students into our courses. If you're currently training people or considering it as a business model, and you've got a book, blog, coaching practice, YouTube channel, or podcast, then turning that into an online course can help you reach a wider audience, build revenue, and make a bigger impact. And Thinkific is the perfect partner to have by your side. Plus, Thinkific has an exclusive offer for you Fire Nation to join their free five-day course challenge. Over the five days, you'll hear from inspiring speakers who have firsthand experience in building a thriving online course business, including myself. Get ready to take all the guesswork out of getting started. One student who recently finished the challenge said, this is an excellent course. It keeps you moving and takes a lot of the intimidation and confusion out of the process. I would highly recommend this challenge. Sign up for this free challenge today at thinkific.com slash fire. That's T-H-I-N-K-I-F-I-C dot com slash fire. So John, we're back and I want to talk right now about gaining leverage. I mean, leverage is something obviously you would want to have. So what is the absolute best way to gain leverage when you're negotiating with an industry giant? And like I said, I mean, I'm just, I would love to have been in that room and like Wondery was talking about getting acquired by Amazon and Gimlet by Spotify and Joe Rogan having the back and forth. I mean, they must have gained leverage because I mean, they got big, big dollars and, and who knows, but what's the best way? The best way is to have multiple bidders at the table before you sign an LOI. So mm. we talked about LOI before the break. This is the letter of intent, which gives and spells out the acquirer's proposition to buy your business. The letter of intent includes something called a no shop clause, which means that you have to give up negotiating with all of the other people that are interested in buying your company and basically get engaged to one acquirer. And that's the point at which leverage that you have as a seller goes heavily away from you and goes heavily into the hands of the buyer. And they then will have lots more leverage. So what you want to do is make sure you retain all your leverage leading up to that point by getting multiple bidders to the table. You want as many people, uh, kind of competing over your business simultaneously, which gives you two things. Number one, it makes sure you 
ratchet up the value of your company, but it also ensures that that acquirer is going to close, basically commit on their and deliver on their commitments they make in their LOI. Because there's a, a dirty little secret in the world of entrepreneurship, which is something called retrading, where the acquirer makes an LOI, a letter of intent. They say they're going to pay X for mm-hmm. your dollar for your business. And then later you, you find out that they're only willing to pay X minus 20% because mm. they've manufactured reasons that your business is less valuable than they thought it was. That only happens when you're the only bit, when you've only got one bidder. But when you've got multiple bidders and you've demonstrated that to an acquirer, they're much less likely to retrade. So that's a really important subtlety is to make sure you've got multiple bidders and that the other side knows that. I've talked about desperation a few times so far in this interview, mostly as a tease, because if you look desperate, you've already lost to a certain degree. So how can owners let potential buyers know that they're interested in selling? They're like, hey, like I'd be interested in talking about this, but without looking and seeming desperate. Yeah, because if you rock up to an acquirer and say, "Please buy me," uh, hey, would you like to? Yeah, would you like to buy me? It, it's like the you know the grade eight kid who goes up to the prettiest girl to dance and says, "Hey, like, would you like to dance?" It's just pathetic, and it's it it feels really uh, defensive, and you're you're unlikely to get the result that you're looking for. So, look, it's one of the words I love is partnership. Because I think for the right buyer and the right acquirer, the word partnership means something different. You know, if you say, you know, I'd love to explore some sort of strategic partnership together, that's going to telegraph to the other side that there's probably more to this than just a simple partnership. There's probably the opportunity to talk about acquisition, but it also at the same time gives you deniability, right? Plausible deniability. Mm. Hey, I just I just was suggesting a partnership and you guys are coming to me with this acquisition <laughs> conversation. It reminds me, uh, I interviewed a woman named Stephanie Breedlove. Uh, man, she's so fantastic. She built a business, a uh, payroll business, doing payroll for parents who have nannies. She built it up to $9 million in revenue, 10,000 customers. And she found care.com out there in the marketplace and she thought these guys would be perfect acquirers. Yeah. Why? Because care.com is like the Angie's list of care providers, right? Like babysitter, plug it in, you get five-star rating, you feel confident. They've got 7 million parents who are subscribers to care.com, most of which need to pay a nanny. And so Breedlove's sitting there saying, holy crap, man, if I can just get them to pay attention to me, they've got 7 million subscribers. If 1% of them buy my payroll service, that's like 70,000 customers. That's like a business seven times my size. So what she does is forms a marketing partnership at a very low level at care, like a marketing manager level, but just that existing of the marketing partnerships where Breedlove is just supplying a little bit of content to care.com. It opened the door. The marketing manager loved what Stephanie was providing. She used that relationship and equity to get an introduction to the CEO of care.com. One thing leads to another. Care.com acquires Breedlove's business for a cool 54 million dollars. John, this is a $9 million company, $9 million revenue business for 54 million bucks. It starts with the word P partnership. P is for partnership, Fire Nation. Wow. I love that story. (laughs) So let's talk about just an overall concept that you want Fire Nation to really walk away with from what we talked about. I mean, we talked about a lot of awesome things. Say the biggest mistake, leverage, desperation, the right time to sell. What's the big takeaway you want Fire Nation to get from all of this conversation? It's okay to sell. 
you're not a douchebag for wanting to sell your company. I got on a podcast a, f- a few years ago, and this is just promoting my book, Built to Sell. And the guy gets on, and his first line, no word of a lie, his first line is, oh, Warlow, yeah, you're the douchebag who wrote Built to Sell. Oh. And I'm like, what are you talking about? <laughs> That's your opening line? What are you talking about? And he went on to say, yeah, like, isn't, aren't we all supposed to build to last? Like, you're talking about flipping businesses. And 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 I was on my defensive, I was on my back foot, and I thought, man, I did mm. a crappy job rebutting that's his criticism. But since then, I've come to sort of realize that's a sentiment that a lot of people have, yeah. is that selling is somehow selling out. And I just couldn't disagree more. As we talked about in the intro, I, I just think that for a lot of us, uh, we built, we, you know, we've had our turn. You know, I, I remind me, this, there's a guy named um, Joey Redner that I interviewed in the book. He built uh, Cigar City Brewing. Do you know Cigar City, the little craft brewer in Tampa? No. Mm-mm. So Redner built, it, realizes Tampa doesn't have a craft beer, builds it up, borrows money from his dad, about 800 grand from his dad to build up a, a craft brewery. Uh, so he's in hock to his dad, successful brewery starts selling out, has to build capacity. What does he do? He goes, gets an SBA loan, gets borrows a bunch of money from the SBA to build out more capacity, keeps selling beer, amazing success. Third time, he needs to go build more capacity to meet demand for the beer. Now he's in, already in debt to his dad. He's already in debt to the SBA. And he kind of throws up his arms and goes, enough already. I've, I've, I've done what I wanted to do with this brewery. I built it up. It's been hugely successful. I'm not willing to put even more chips on the table because the people he was going to borrow money from wanted a personal guarantee and so forth. And so he decided to sell. So, sold to uh, Oscar Blues, the craft brewery, PE back, really successful. Cigar City continues on without him. And the story is a success. He's done what he planned to do. And so I don't think there's anything wrong with that. I think Joey took risk, built a business, and there's nothing wrong with selling that. It's not, you're not a douchebag for wanting to do that. So John, let us know what is going on in your world right now. Any call to action you have for Fire Nation, how they can connect with you or your business or anything, and then we'll say goodbye. So yeah, you can head over to builttosell.com. We do an interview every week with an entrepreneur about their exit. And uh, that's a good way to just hear about how other entrepreneurs like you are kind of thinking about exiting and some of the tips and tricks they have. Awesome stuff, Fire Nation. And you know this, you're the average of the five people you spend the most time with. You've been hanging out with J-Dubs and J-L-D today. So keep up that heat and head over to eofire.com, type John and J-O-H-N in the search bar and his show notes page will come up plus his past episode, builttosell.com is your direct call to action. And John, I want to say thank you for sharing your truth, your knowledge, your value with Fire Nation today. For that, we salute you and we'll catch you on the flip side. Thanks, Matt. It was a pleasure. Hey, Fire Nation, today's value bomb content was brought to you today by John and Fire Nation. My first traditionally published book is hitting the shelves on March 23rd, and I am so fired up about this to say the least. The title is The Common Path to Uncommon Success, Your Roadmap to Financial Freedom and Fulfillment. So uh, pre-orders are everything. And if I've given you value over the years, it would mean the world if you headed over to my pre-order page, or if you're listening to this after March 23rd, that's cool too. Just head over to Amazon or wherever you want to buy the book um, and do a little pre-order. And there's there's sweet bonuses for pre-orders and there's just bonuses as well for just buying the book after March 23rd. Check out uncommonsuccessbook.com. Uncommon Success Book. 
Fire.com. Have an awesome day, Fire Nation. I'll catch you on the flip side. Grow your business with online courses by jumping into Thinkific's five-day course challenge today. Over five days, you'll hear from inspiring speakers, including myself, who will walk you through the whole process so you'll know exactly where you're headed. Sign up for this free challenge today at thinkific.com slash fire. That's T-H-I-N-K-I-F-I-C dot com slash fire. Don't you wish there was a proven roadmap to financial freedom and fulfillment that you could share with your customers, clients, or masterminds? My brand new book, The Common Path to Uncommon Success, is coming out in March 2021, and we've just finalized our bulk buy packages. These packages include insane perks, like a one-on-one weekend in Puerto Rico with myself and Kate. Visit UncommonSuccessBook.com for all the details. The best packages have very limited quantities, so head over there today. UncommonSuccessBook.com.